it's incumbent upon us to not only do the heads down kinds of things that we tend to do on a bi-weekly basis, but we also have to be lifting our head up and looking at the horizon. This is episode 211 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. Welcome, I'm Lisa Gonzalez. Wade Troxell, mayor of Fort Collins, Colorado, joins Chris for this week's interview. In 2015, voters in Fort Collins passed a measure to opt out of Colorado's SB 152. As you'll find out in the interview, local voters sent a strong message that they wanted to reclaim local authority. In this interview, Mayor Troxell gives us his perspective as an elected official and community leader on why a community like Fort Collins would invest in Internet infrastructure. He also provides more information about the city's undergrounding project and how it has fit into the city's past and present plans for the future. At the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, we strive to bring you interesting stories like the one in Fort Collins. We also bring you these stories with no commercials, but our work requires funding. Please take a few moments to go to ILSR.org or MuniNetworks.org and donate today to help us continue our mission. If you have donated before, thanks for your continuing support. If you're a new donor, welcome aboard and thank you. Now here are Chris and Mayor Wade Troxell from Fort Collins, Colorado. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell, and today I'm speaking with Mayor Wade Troxell of Fort Collins, Colorado. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Chris. Uh, Great to be here today. Well, it's great to have you on. Um, You know, I've been through Fort Collins. I I often note when I've been to a place, Fort Collins left an impression on me that uh, we'll discuss uh, toward the end of the show, I think. Um, But why don't you describe it for people who aren't familiar with it? Fort Collins is a, is a wonderful community. I'm sure a lot of mayors would say that sort of thing, but uh, yeah, it's my hometown. It's a town I grew up in. It's a, um, it's a town of 160,000 citizens. Um, uh, we're the home of Colorado State University, so we are a university city, and, and with that, we have a lot of the kinds of amenities that, uh, uh, that, uh, that are with the university city. So we have a evergreen population with about uh, 32,000 uh, students on an annual basis. But, uh, you know, it's also an important part of the history of Fort Collins. Uh, uh, Fort Collins was founded in 1864. It was never a fort. It was Camp Collins, and, and uh, it was established as a, as a town in 1864. Colorado State University was founded in 1870 uh, while it was still a territory. And uh, so the two have been joined together from the very beginning. And, and being a university city, so meaning things that like uh, high arts and culture, uh, we're one of the highest in terms of patents per capita um, of any city. We have low crime rate. We have wonderful natural environment that uh, we enjoy. And we have employers such as uh, Intel, Hewlett Packard, Broadcom, NVIDIA, a lot of high-tech companies like that. Also, we're featured in the uh, Smithsonian at the uh, U.S. Uh, Museum of American History uh, right now, an exhibit that's running five years as a place of innovation, where um, it talks about five cities um, uh, of innovation in the past. And the sixth city, Fort Collins, is uh, 2010s going forward around clean, renewable energy. So we're very uh, involved with uh, innovations related to uh, clean tech, and and because of that, uh, you know, I think there's some uh, very much relevance to the kinds of discussion 
that we're talking about today related to um, our initiative, related to uh, a broadband and, and how we're approaching that. Yes, and we'll turn to that in a second. Uh, I wanted to note first that you and I met in Seattle uh, as part of uh, the Digital Northwest event that was put on by uh, Next Century Cities and uh, and also NTIA. Um, uh, but uh, you being a mayor of a city that's a part of Next Century Cities, you were on a panel that uh, I hosted. We had, a, I thought, a great panel. Um, mm-hmm. But I was curious if you took anything away from from that event. The one thing that I uh, it really uh, just solidified in a lot of ways is there's a lot of communities doing a lot of things that uh, we're trying to do. So I think the the takeaway for me was uh, um, whether it's a, a small community or uh, such as uh, Sandy, Oregon, or a, a larger community like uh, Fort Collins, uh, you know, really trying to uh, provide uh, uh, digital services uh, in their community uh, to. Uh, their citizens in all different sorts of ways. Clearly, there's a lot of broadband providers and and that sort of thing. But also, I think the element around broadband is its importance to society today and to our community for economic development, to access to educational opportunities for digital health and all different uh, aspects of our lives today really require um, having broadband access and and. And uh, that's ubiquity of 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 broadband, and and uh, with that, you know, one of my takeaways was really um, where various communities are going, where they have come from, and the kinds of challenges that they're facing. One of the things that I think of with a community like Fort Collins is that it seems like you have everything going for you, and one of the things that um, that could potentially slow you, I, I think, because you have so many things going for you, is if you didn't have that super high quality connections to everyone, because you noted that there's high-tech jobs, you're certainly just in a wonderful area for the outdoor lifestyle, um, there's, you have the great university there. Um, you know, is that something that you feel is a motivator? Is there a sense that, that if you don't figure out how to make sure everyone has this high quality internet access, that that might be um, one of the only things that might be a detriment of your community? Right. Being a high-tech community with the university, you know, basically our, our citizens through their uh, workplace or through their uh, educational opportunities or through the research that goes on here, um, they do have access to a, a uh, high-quality broadband, a lot of computing resources, uh, wherever they may exist, and uh, utilization of that on a daily, um, hourly basis. And so, you know, the expectation of our community uh, is is very high. Uh, in Colorado, uh, we have Senate Bill 152 that, um, as a community, even to begin to entertain discussions related to broadband, um, you need to have a ballot measure that, uh, allows for that discussion to municipalize broadband if that is in fact the way that we do go um, and uh, and with that we took it to the ballot and and it was more than um, we took it to the ballot in November of 2015, and it passed by 83 <laughs> percent. Can I just you interrupt know, you for a second? Because yeah. I just, I just find that so amazing. You're an elected official. What other things pass by 83 percent? You know, it, it seems like it's in a league of its own. That's right. I mean, that's one of those that uh, you know, that's a mandate. Basically, that's a that's a clear uh, mandate to uh, pursue. And what we're doing is being very deliberate up front to pursuing all options from. 
from private sector through public-private partnerships to uh, what would be our fifth uh, utility for the city uh, if we do so uh, choose to go in that direction. Right. So let's let's turn to what you're doing. And uh, first, I just wanted to make sure people, if anyone has the impression that you don't have um, broadband, then that would be incorrect. You you certainly do have cable internet and you have uh, DSL and perhaps even a few areas that have a gigabit to an apartment building or something like that. I would say um, Fort Collins basically has the same connectivity you would find in, in the average metro area. Um, but you're looking to do something better. And tell us how, uh, you know, the city of Fort Collins is going about trying to figure out what it should do. You're, you are correct. Uh, you know, I, we, we are like any community uh, that uh, has uh, broadband as it's currently uh, configured and, and rolling out. And and uh, we've had discussion with our providers and, and we have what we call our futures committee where we had discussions about um, where our providers are going, that sort of thing. And it really wasn't the, the, the kind of stretch goals that, as a community, we we tend to think about a lot in terms of um, improving uh, resources and, and capabilities of our um, uh, citizens in our community, and it was because of that that the, you know took to the voters in, in November of 2015. Where we are right now is through this uh, calendar year, we're going through a very deliberate process of of um, looking at all the options and, and and comparing them. We have a citizens ad hoc committee. We have an expert review committee that has been formed that uh, our people outside our community that have been involved with broadband in a lot of different sorts of ways uh, that they're actively engaged uh, with discussions with uh, our city staff and others within our community. You know, we're doing an assessment of where we are and, and where the standards are and what you know, the market demand studies and feasibility analysis and, you know, SWOT analysis, all different sorts of things and, and community engagement as we go along. And by the end of this year, we'll have a, a recommendation um, uh, coming to uh, a, a city council work session where we'll discuss that and and then decide of how we go forward. And, and if that's a and in Colorado, we also any uh, taxing measures have to go to the vote of the people. And, and if that's one of the ways in terms of raising capital uh, in order to 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 proceed, you know, that would be a subsequent measure or uh, or any other uh, measures along the spectrum of, of what we are looking at. So we're right in literally in the middle of, of that process now. Uh, and having uh, a lot of discussions uh, in our community related to that. One of the things that I took away after talking with one of the committee members and getting a sense of what you were doing was the sense that there is going to be progress. And because uh, she was laying out uh, some of the different options that you were considering, and, and I said, well, presumably one of the options will be to do nothing because, you know, when I was trained in policy analysis and all <laughs> that sort of thing, they always said one of the policy options, it has to be to do nothing. That's and there was, that, there was yeah. a, right, there was a pause, and she said, well, actually, that's not an option in this case. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's right. I think, you know, I think we are at what we could call our baseline. And, and, uh, and from there is any number of ways where we could go. And that's where I think even, you know, discussions with some of our providers today as to, you know, there's, there's many different layers to what uh, broadband means and, and whether it's simply the pipe, the uh, physical layer, 
or whether it's a um, you know a lot of the the capabilities and the technology the, that goes into that, as well as providing you know public access and all different sorts of things that for a public benefit. And so, you know, there's a lot of different ways that this can be uh, constructed and as a public policy recommendation. And so, you know, I think that's where there's a lot of discussion going to going from where we are today to um, you know improved. Uh, access and and capabilities within our community. One of the things that you have going for you is a is a good network of conduit. Um and and I want to come back to that, but first uh let me just note the thing that struck me about Fort Collins and it, it took me a while cuz uh, my first time coming to Fort Collins, I was I was going to a meeting, uh, your electric utility, the municipal electric utility, and um, they, uh, you know, were looking at different kinds of options. I happened to be in town anyway for something else, and so they they nicely agreed to meet with me. And and I was driving there, and I was really focused on coming off the highway. I was just trying to focus on how to get there, following directions. But something was nagging at me. Something felt a little bit weird. And and I later realized that it was you don't have any poles around in the area that I was. You had you had undergrounded all these facilities. And whether you're looking at the front range of the mountains or just the trees and everything else, it was just beautiful. There was no distractions or these ugly lines. Um, and so uh, you know, I, I'm I'm curious if you can tell us a little bit about. It. You have such a large community. Undergrounding that must just have been a very large effort. Undergrounding of the electric uh, utility was a decision made by a city council. In fact, my dad was on that city council in the 1960s for undergrounding the electric system in Fort Collins. So Fort Collins is a municipally owned uh, utility where right now we partner with four utilities, uh, Loveland, Longmont, Estes Park, and Fort Collins for our generation and transmission for our electric power. And then Fort Collins has its own distributional uh, utility for the electric. And so um, the decision was made in the 1960s to underground our electric system. And I reflect upon that a lot because, um, you know, we, we face, you know, broadband is one of those, which would be a very expensive kind of um, proposition uh, if we were to go forward with another utility and, and funding it and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, I think of the undergrounding as, you know, that's difficult to make the case as to why to do it because, you know, you could say, yeah, that would make our um, electric power more reliable, but it's only between uh, severe weather events. You would even think about that sort of thing. So it's between those those crisis points. And you're only looking at, you know, those events in the context of a large price tag of how to do that sort of thing. And in fact, there were lack of technology that you couldn't underground it completely. Uh, and so there had to be some innovation related to that. The decision was made, and it was when Fort Collins was uh, much smaller than it is today. I would guess it was probably in the 30 to 40,000. And with you know the growth, everything was undergrounded, but also the commitment to back fill and underground in our old town and older neighborhoods where there were um, power lines going down the alleys and and in our old town, which is now uh, a, a jewel in our community, which is uh, thriving uh, with uh, restaurants and, and uh, bars and, and a lot of uh, great uh, boutique stores. And, and uh, it's really created uh, our community be, to be a, a destination for tourists in and, and, and our old town. And there's no 
power lines, and they're they're undergrounded over time. So now our our electric power system as a part of the distribution is about 99% undergrounded. I I really view this as being an inspiration for what government can do in the sense that it's such an impressive long-scale project. And it's something that um, that I think, you know, your dad and other people in the city council made thinking, you know, this is something in which our people are going to be voting tomorrow or, you know, in the next year or so on on our performance. And we're committing to spending all this money. The benefits of undergrounding aren't going to be realized for decades. You know, but just to have that long vision and to say we're going to do this, it's going to be the smart thing to do. I think that's very inspiring. Um, but I'm, I'm really curious how that plays into the conduit because, you know, if you had a bunch of poles everywhere, arguably it would be cheaper for you to just build fiber on top of them. Um, but, you know, did you have a – do you have a lot of conduit available now that you can use as a result of that undergrounding? You know, I don't know how many years ago, but whenever a trench is opened up, they've been putting uh, additional conduit in there because it's easier to do it at that time than later, and it's really – uh, um, marginally the cost of, of doing that sort of thing. And and so, to, uh, at least on the major arterials in our community, uh, there are a lot of uh, conduit that's been put in place um, over time uh, that uh, it, for, for anticipation of, I, I don't know necessarily broadband, but could have been for electric service too, but no, knowing that uh, it was uh, uh, easier to uh, put it down at that time than at some later point uh, and to open up a, another trench. And so there's a lot of coordination. That's probably, I think, one of the benefits that came from this is um, because of having to dig a lot um, that, uh, you know, a lot of conduit was laid. But with that said, uh, going forward, there'd still be a lot of boring by going forward with a broadband initiative. Um, in our podcast last week, I had noted this, and I, I'll just note it again because we, oddly enough, we have two cities that we have in a row. Uh, Alexandria, Minnesota, is also um, doing some undergrounding. It just came up in our conversation. Uh-huh. Um, but I just lost power for 24 hours after an electrical storm, and and even just as I'm thinking about what my wife and I want to do with our yard, our backyard, <laughs> you know, boy, I'm probably going to do some undergrounding just to like you know basically from the garage to the house to get rid of some overhead lines. So, you know, I, I this is one of those things where I feel like um, as we have more value, we put more value on sort of like the aesthetics, um, I think we're going to see more of this. So I really think you're, you're ahead of the curve on that. And I um, I can only imagine what the benefits have been in terms of the fewer power outages and things like that. The benefits are, are multifold. There's the view shed that you mentioned. Uh, you know, what you don't see are, are power lines as you look at the mountains and, and, uh, just, uh, the trees and the things that are around in your community. Uh, but, um, you know, the, the, the weather events, we, we really don't think of outages. Our reliability of our electric power system is around nine, uh, uh five nines of power quality that puts it into minutes per year. And that might be just a flicker for some other reason. Or the transmission lines, which are the high-voltage lines, are above-grounded. And so, you know, that might be the the weakest link in there. But within our community, whether it's a, a severe storm, we get a lot of spring snows that are very heavy. You know, we don't have outages. And, and also, you know, I just think of you know, the service going into houses, you know, via a line above ground, just from a safety perspective, you know, just having kids and kites and poles and and those sorts of things uh, are, are much greater as well, because really everything's undergrounded and, and, and really can be managed 
there's less exposure to a lot of um, the contact points that you might have had otherwise. Right, and when our when our power was out, my dad was just sort of it just sort of struck him. He was you know talking on a, on the cell phone, and he was saying, yeah. you know, "I can't believe it's 2016, and like the fact that a branch fell off a tree means you're not going to have power." It's just it's exactly. it's, <laughs> it's really more insidious than that because you know, the branch falling off a tree in 2003 that's not it was a, literally a branch in Ohio that fell and knocked out the power in a quarter of the United States right. in the Northeast. And because of the central power plant model, it created a cascading failure. And, and, and that's where you, you know, there's different ways of doing things today, much through distributed power and other sorts of ways of doing things. And undergrounding, I think, is just another one of those where you can increase reliability and, and also realize many, many other benefits. That's right. I'm forgetting. You, you have an engineering background, don't you? You work in... I do. Yes. So I'm yes. on the faculty at Colorado State University in the Department of Mechanical Engineering. Right. So you know all about distributed energy and things like that. It's been a, a focus for you, right? Right. That's right. Well, this has been terrific. Fort Collins in many ways embodies um, the uh, a lot of the, the, the thoughtfulness that we'd like to see in local government um, in, in planning ahead. You know, I'm just curious. I sometimes get a question from people, which is um, even from some economic development officials in cities that I would say don't get it, including my own, unfortunately, in St. Paul. And they'll sometimes say, well, like, how do I know that it's worth it to put some conduit underground if I'm not sure that we're going to use it? I could be spending that, you know, 1000 or 100000 dollars depending on the size of the project elsewhere um, what, what kind of advice do you give to, to other elected officials in terms of looking ahead and, and making that bet as a mayor as a leader in the community I think it's incumbent upon us to not only do the heads down uh, incremental kinds of policy related things that we tend to do on a biweekly basis and, and things within our community issues as they uh, uh, transpire within our community. But we also have to be lifting our head up and looking at the horizon and, and having discussions whether or not we're on the right trajectory to where we want to go. It puts things in perspective that we should be thinking and planning for 30, 50, 100 years out and and making sure we're on the right trajectory for that. And decisions that we make today can actually be that we're on the right trajectory. And that doesn't mean we have to fully implement, fund, um, and that sort of thing. That can be in many different sorts of things. We've been talking about broadband, um, but it can also be related to, we talked about energy, water, the environment, climate, um, uh, transportation, any of the issues that you know, really do make up our cities uh, and our regions and our relationships with our uh, neighboring communities um, and with our state. Um, you know, we can truly affect things at the local level. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking time uh, to talk with us today. Uh, it's been great. Well, Chris, thank you very much and uh, keep up the great work and uh, look forward to the next time uh, we get together. That was Chris and Mayor Wade Troxell from Fort Collins, Colorado. For more, check out the tag on muninetworks.org. We have transcripts for this and other Community Broadband Bits podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. You can also follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter, where the handle is at muninetworks.org. Thank you to the group Roller Genoa for their song, Safe and Warm in Hunter's Arms, licensed through Creative Commons. 
And thank you for listening to episode 211 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Bits podcast.